For the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. We've started our podcast as a way to help break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 5.6, On the Lamb. My name is Tanzan, and I am joined by Jess. Hello. Maggie is still away for work, so we've got two guests joining us today in her place. Reoccurring guest Amber. Hello. And introducing Michael. Hey. You can find Michael at Veeker Studios on Instagram through our Insta post, including him on our website blog post detailing how to make a Canon Blue Beetle. Michael would also like it to be known that he is wearing an outfit in specific homage to the Blue Beetle. <laughs> Are you going to post a picture of it? I kind of want them to draw fan art of what they think I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of effort into these hubcaps. Yeah, he came in wearing a full car bodysuit. All right, so oh. typically we, we go through and find out how you got introduced to the Dresden Files and what's your th- overall thoughts. And okay, so I got introduced it, to it by Jessica. And when I was going to go to Europe for my study abroad... She said, oh, I have this book series that I know you're going to enjoy. So she sent me all the uh, ebooks of everything. And I didn't listen to a single one. And then when I got home and then uh, quarantine hit, she gave me a giant box of books of the complete series. And I said, okay, I need to catch up on this because it's clearly important to her. And I'm probably going to be busy because we're all going to be back to work after this two-week quarantine or whatever. So I quickly went through the entire series in like three, four months. Oh, wow. So it was quite the binge. <laughs> that is, that's a well, heavy also, binge. Also, I thought, I know that she likes Harry Potter, and I don't know Harry Potter, but I'm conversational in it. So I thought, I'll just be conversational in Dresden Files too, never thinking that I would be on a podcast <laughs> having to talk about it in depth. Hope you're paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you. This is how they hook you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did it to me too. Like, here, here, just read this. So, yeah, so I've read it all a year ago, and I've now forgotten most of it. So Jessica said, hey, on Sunday, we need you to host, and it's currently Friday. Here's the book. Let's go. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) We plan ahead well. Uh, I'm also dyslexic, so sometimes when I read things, it comes out a different way. Uh, And for... I don't know why, but when I first read the description of Morgan, I thought he was a giant bird person. Oh. So every time Morgan comes on, in my head, I imagine Sam the Eagle. <laughs> and so I know that's wrong, but like as Morgan becomes more and more central person, I'm just imagining all this is happening, and then someone is there with a Sam the Eagle puppet. <laughs> just <laughs> pounding I want to live in your world. With a big giant sword. <laughs> yeah, that's so, awesome. I want to live in Because your this world. is fantasy, sometimes I'll read something and be like, this doesn't make any sense, but it's fantasy. I guess that's the way it is. <laughs> then I'll reread it and be like... Oh, I just misread that word. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Ron Stoppable and Sam the Eagle. (laughs) Coming soon. We would now like to send a special shout out and thank you to Dave G for buying us a pint on Patreon. By supporting us at this level, Dave G now has exclusive access to episode outtakes, our special Discord community, and even an official McAnally's Pubcast sticker. A huge thank you to Dave G for his support. If you'd also like to grab us a pitcher, pint, or sampler to get loads of fun perks and exclusive merchandise, 
check out our Patreon channel today. Chapter 12. Dresden shows up to 888 Ralston, where the crime scene is underway. Kim Delaney has been found murdered next to the circle she has asked Dresden about. Murphy suspects Dresden to be involved in the murders and arrests him. So, coming right off of that summary, to the start of the chapter, Harry says as he pulls up to the house that the blue lights feel like coming home to him. Yep. It's very homely and comforting to him because he's just so involved in this police world and working alongside them and being on their team. So I really liked how it was like right off the bat. He's like, oh, I love seeing the lights. And it's it's then, interesting that he likes it, but it's also he subverts it too because he says it feels like in an unsettling way, a homecoming. So mm. this is my team, but it's not the team I really want to be in. <laughs> Where has my life gone? Yeah. <laughs> right. So right off the bat as well as he's pulling up to the house, he's gets the chills and feels like he's being watched again. Mm-hmm. And so there's a few suspects out there right now we've already had him being watched beforehand by that woman he found in the warehouse mm-hmm. um we know that there's lobo killers there's hexen wolves there's werewolves there's the alphas so we've got quite a few contenders for out in the woods at the moment but i think it's safe to say that we've at least got one werewolf variety on the scene mm-hmm. right right could be any number of the any number. So I had a question around that. Loop Guru is that the same as like I mean these these names are being used interchangeably throughout the book. So like you've got the Loop Guru, you've got reference to werewolves, you got reference to like are these all separate characters or are these just different names for the same sort of? They're different types. So they're different types of werewolves. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, it's Jim Butcher mixing, bringing in all different werewolf lore and coming up with a reason for it to all exist in the same world. So the Loop Guru is following both Irish and Greek myths of someone having been a a family bloodline being cursed with the werewolf trait. The werewolves are people who have learned how to turn into wolves. Uh, The hexen wolves are people who are using an object that transforms them when they're wearing the object. And the last one is the transmogification where somebody else turns you into Uh, a werewolf. Which is the one that they attributed the Beast of Jevedon to? Was that a loop guru? I believe it was. All right. If I can recall the earlier text, I believe that's who it was. Okay, because that that was the the one little tidbit in Dresden Files. Like, oh, I actually know what that is. I'm now interested in the story. (laughs) (laughs) And it's gone. Oh, Terminator. Okay, and we're gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Carmichael meets Dresden at the scene and uh, Dresden asks him if he still thinks he's a fake. Carmichael is still a non-believer. But uh, And yet friendlier than we've ever seen him. Yeah. yeah, He says that he wishes Dresden wasn't fake, which is an interesting thing to say. Yeah, and I, I had it in my notes because I, I can't recall anymore if Carmichael's family is particularly religious. He comes up a little bit later on in later books, but I can't remember if they are or not. And I wondered if something about the Catholicism was all about, well, we don't believe in magic and all of this, you know, which obviously as we meet. Murphy's and Michael's faith later on that kind of is a dichotomy to that yeah. but I was wondering where his you know if it is just that like human like oh I don't want to be tricked so I'm not going to believe in it well, I, or I think more of a theme of these chapters that I read is the people like want to believe whatever makes them feel safe and what we see in these like upcoming chapters is that for 
people that can flip a lot too on the spot so you don't necessarily have like i know that this will make me feel safe it's like as i'm confronted with a new situation my previous mindset didn't accommodate for this at all huh. and if someone's offering something that makes me feel safe then i'll take it so if carmichael's thinking well i don't necessarily believe that what you're doing is true or like upstanding or whatever but i don't what's what i believed in before isn't working for me right now and so it's like you're the best next best thing that i have so let's give it a shot Nice. I think that's totally fair. And yeah. I think it also is um, proven by, you know, the first two interactions we've had with Carmichael before this. We had him in Stormfront being totally, fuck you, Dresden, you're fake. And then we even had him in Welcome to the Jungle graphic novel, where, again, he was just, like, throwing jabs at him at every chance. Versus to this, where he's being way more open and, yeah, like, extending and an olive branch really which is interesting because he really has no reason to after hearing all the rumors that mm-hmm. that he's yeah, involved w- with marcone with anything yeah. things have gotten worse right yeah. with and especially with ia and murphy like for anything he should have been more against him more rallied against him mm-hmm. so yeah so it is nice uh, as i think michael just brought up that clearly his non-believing wasn't working for him and so it seems like for just the slightest chance he was willing to just open himself that bit and see okay what does murphy see which is a shame you know to see how the chapter ends <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> almost got him <laughs> right yeah it's just like carmichael's like please dresden make me feel safe please and then dresden's just like i don't feel safe <laughs> i don't know what to tell you absolutely not <laughs> don't look at me i ain't saving you yeah. <laughs> we're in the same boat yeah so yeah so then he sees murphy and gives a detailed description, and he mentions Murph's silver earring. And I don't know if him not discussing the silver part is, like, intentional omission, or he just doesn't pick up on it. Well, he had... he. If, he I know you he, said he, you didn't read the books earlier, the chapters yeah. earlier. So he, when he's having a conversation with Bob and learning about all these different werewolf versions, he's very insistent, like, and this one can't do silver, and this one can't do silver, and this one can't do silver. And Bob keeps saying, shut up about the silver, shut up about the silver. Until we get to the loop guru where he's like, okay, this one can't do silver. Okay, so see, I, I didn't even see those connections. Now I'm like looking at well, the, the text here going like, sorry. talking about the description, the the little beads of silver in her ears. I didn't even get that connection between the silver and the, you know. You're too well, focused on Dresden commenting I on think, her cute ears. Yes, I think I was, I was a little say, is that too. Most of the sentence is described <laughs> like, oh, she, she has silver earrings in her earlobes. Man, those are really cute earlobes. Yeah, I love that writing. So people, she says sarcastically. As we all said, as we stood around <laughs> earlier before we started recording, just how annoying Dresden's female view is in these early books. But do you think that was more Jim Butcher's just like go-to way of diverting our expectations? Do you think that know. he was just legitimately like he just didn't have a better way of concealing Dresden's smarts other than just like a pretty woman that he can't help but comment on? If I, as a man, if I were in crisis and I saw a woman, my first thought wouldn't be like, damn, those earlobes. That's what's telling me a lot about this person. So just, either way you cut Are it. Are you it's king shaming Harry Dresden? <laughs> I'm just very grateful you're all wearing headphones right now. So just <laughs> can't look at our earlobes. Um, I don't know. I guess like, you know, as we were saying a little earlier, like for me, putting sort of a feminist lens to this or looking at it from like a woman's perspective, it, it, it feels a little bit like lazy male writing you know Mm -hmm. like it's easy enough to talk about how her bosoms are heaving you know well you don't see women writing about men's bosoms heaving or you know like the cute earlobes on some hunky dude like it's 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 sort of a typical way of writing Mm -hmm. that i feel is lazy but that said 
Yeah. I don't know. Is it intentional? I haven't read enough of the series to, to say one way or another. And I don't mean to be like the, oh, I hate this writing because it's misogynist garbage. That's not what I'm so, saying. It's just, it's one dimensional. And I don't know if that is a hairy issue or if uh, that's a butcher issue. Butcher I issue. feel like it's butcher writing style coming through hairy sense of chivalry and maybe that's like and that's okay like if that is a character choice uh, that okay he is a bit misogynist he's a bit of a d-bag then fine like there's a certain amount of that like i mean whether it's intentional or not i'd say the subconscious exhibition of that is worse than the actual conscious deliberate okay i'm gonna paint him as a misogynist i'd like to believe the latter um it's hard to say, know. too, when you've got so many books. It's like, was this Harry growing as a person or yeah. was this Butcher growing as a person? Because, you know, this is being written right now while um, Jim Butcher was in college, you know. He was just a 20, 21-year-old or something like that when he mm. got this book out. He might have been yeah. just in and of himself a little bit like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Well, in historical <laughs> context, like we're looking at a lot of these movies on Disney Plus or whatever where they're like actually putting little commentaries saying like, yes, these cartoons or these things were published in an age that was maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, even 10 years ago, things are different now. There are different ways to describe things and words that we use that may well, not yeah, be I mean, the same. Well, yeah, I mean, even think of The Office. It viewed so recently totally. and yet people say it's totally already antiquated yeah exactly you know yeah. and this has had 20, 20 years on it already yeah uh, yeah. yeah. so I, I was gonna say as well that I know Tanzan really fixates on imagery when we read the Jezen file she always has a quote or two that like just wow right yeah and I don't know if you've ever read the Game of Thrones I know you have Michael but for me I kind of glaze over those like rambling paragraphs yep. of scenery and this and that for me I'm just like who cares like get to the <laughs> plot you like I don't care about how the snow blew over the graves for six pages. Like, yeah. you know, like for me, I'm just like, let's just go to something interesting. Feast for crows. Am I right, fellow Game of Throners? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that that's actually really interesting, too, because like I know Tanzan and I were having conversations earlier about sort of like my obsession with uh, the Jonathan L. Howard series, the Cabal podcast and the Cabal uh, books. And I think that that's kind of where we have the similarities for me jim butcher is very focused on the action like it's almost like theatrical in that the action is where all of the energy is whereas more in sort of the cabal series it's it's more the descriptors and the scene settings and the character development so i think that's kind of why i'm feeling like maybe harry is a little more one-dimensional when i start making those comparisons but at the same time Dresden does capture action so much more effectively in so many ways. Yeah. He captures like, his own momentum rather than necessarily describing what's actually happening around him. Yeah. Well, it's almost very, very comic book-like. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, and then this happened. Pop, and like, bang, wow. And, and then you saw the viscera. It lends <laughs> itself so well to graphic novels. Yes. True. True. And for myself, who, you know, prefers that action, mm-hmm. action, action. And even like, you yeah. know, like I was especially a big reader as a child. You know, I could go through an entire book in a night and a big part of that was me just kind of skimming through the parts that I didn't care about. It'd be like, yeah, who cares about this dumb little part? Like, let me get to the thing in the story that I care about. So when people are complaining about, like, he's too focused on a woman, for me, like, I glazed over that. Like, I didn't fixate on any of these descriptions about the woman because I'm like, who cares? That has nothing to do with the plot. Right. Which I was wrong about, and we'll get to that later on as to why these descriptors matter so much about the characters in the series. Um, and as much as you want to say, like, he can absolutely describe women better, I agree with that. It doesn't ha- you don't have to recognize a woman by her nipples, strangely enough. Yeah. Right. But I will say that, uh, as much as he can use very, mm, you know, the paperback romance 
shitty, annoying descriptors over and over again. I will say that at the very least, when he does use a descriptor, it is... I don't want to say very purposeful, because again, sometimes, you know, the shape of her ear maybe doesn't matter, but... <laughs> when it comes up, I will find that he does have good throwbacks to those descriptors. Yeah, and that was something Tanzan said as well, was that, like, as you progress throughout the books, there's sort of little tidbits from the prior books that sort of sprinkle themselves throughout. And, like, that is something that I I definitely admire in writing. It's <laughs> like, if you can still weave those those threads through your, your future works, mm-hmm. then that's fantastic. And even, like I was saying, like, I didn't even notice that he described a silver... Uh, earring in her earlobe so is it that he's describing her earlobe because of a sexualization or a lazy way of writing which is one more thing is the the sexualization of red herring yeah or is exactly or is the whole point of that that whole thing about the silver earring and somehow that means something later on right Mm -hmm. so I'm willing to bite I'm willing to bite I'm still here so Dresden enters the place and uh, meets with Murphy they, they go to the bedroom and there's no furniture around and uh, unfortunately a dead Kim Delaney next to a set of chalk circles. So a small caveat here. Uh, Jim Butcher mentioned it once and only once and never brought it up again because uh, it was later stated that he felt quite guilty about it and didn't want it to be a well-known fact. But Kim Delaney is based off of one of his exes, named yep. after one of his exes. No. Oh. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've Take got that, Kim Delaney. A wee bit of a dismembered, open like a Ziploc baggie. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it must have been a bad breakup. I understand it's a werewolf killing, so you can absolutely get descriptive. You complete the fish. But shredding your ex But is shredding a bit your rough. ex. That's my <laughs> Damn, bro. He didn't describe. Yeah. <laughs> he also dated a man named Spike once. I <laughs> know. <laughs> So I just wanted to throw that small thing in there. Um, but yeah, so two nights ago, one night ago, the night before he was at the warehouse, and that was when he was having dinner. So yeah, so just one night previous, he was having dinner with Kim Delaney talking about making these rituals, which he refused to give much details on. Yeah. So she was a friend, but in a way kind of like an apprentice? She was an apprentice. Yeah. 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 She okay. had very low-level magic. It was somewhat being coaxed out of her. It's... <clears throat> hard to say what it would have become especially now (laughs) (laughs) rough (laughs) i'd love to check back in with her in 10 books but that won't be happening (laughs) we shredded the x (laughs) x X has been dealt with so yeah so this is this is um of someone of a certain degree of magical talent it came late in life we discussed this in one in episode one of full moon that we did that who knows what to exact extent, but Harry basically determined that she wasn't powerful enough. She wasn't integrated enough into the magic community to be given the knowledge. Mm. Kim decided, well, I think I am, and ultimately was wrong. Yeah. And Harry's definitely kicking himself because he's realized what is actually happening and sort of regrets his arrogance in that moment. So yeah, Harry goes into a bit of almost like disassociation for well, yeah. a minute there. He has quite the trauma response. Mm-hmm. And to a point where, like, he says, like, something just clicked and that was it. I was off. And I find, like, yeah, so there's a lot of points when Harry tends to just say, like, I block it out and I do not see and I do not feel. But those always seem to be a lot more with him still present and very much pushing past the pain, purposely not thinking about it, purposely not 
vomiting and getting sick or anything when he views these horrible scenes. But seeing somebody that he knew who was fairly close to in his life, uh, just so horribly torn up about this. Uh, yeah, we see for the first time Harry really like not handled as well. And I think it's also fair to say that Harry said more in later books that Stormfront, Full Moon, and Grave Peril were his first three big cases. This is the first time that he was really dipping his toes into this line of work and actually seeing it up front and being involved. So we know now that, like, yeah, other than a few small short stories and the two books we're through now, like, he's not this, like, 80-year-old wizard who'd seen everything, you know? Like, this is really his first time, like, oh, my God, my friend is ripped and torn up and it's all my fault. Rough day at the office. Totally. (laughs) He says a little bit later, it's not the worst day I've had. It's like, oops, (laughs) being a wizard. (laughs) It's the first time like that we've seen so far that he's all at a loss for words. And that he's like, he wants it to be a prank. And that he wants someone else to start laughing just to let him know it'll be okay. And he even says, he's like, I want to look Murphy in the eye and have a friend for a minute. And Murphy is totally cut off from him now. And she's almost as a 180. Like she came to the door, she greeted Dresden, she took him upstairs. And that's it. Now this is Murphy the cop, not Murphy the friend. Click fury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bam. So she dr- drags him from the crime scene into the bedroom and shows him a picture of uh, who we find out is McFinn, who we just learned um, from Chauncey was uh, some rich millionaire, billionaire, something like that, working on the Northwest West Passage to create a preservation of sh- sorts. And... Uh, his fiance is the other woman in the picture who Dresden confirms is the woman that he saw tailing them and at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she leads him to the basement, if I do recall. Right. And she, she, she's right on top of everything. She already has the, the theory that McFinn is a, is a loop guru based on that report. And yeah, Murphy absolutely got to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and Justin does share with Murphy, what he learned from the demon, from, from Chauncey. Yeah, he gave her the rundown real quick. Northwest Passage, everything he learned there. Yeah. Um, But it's too late. He also mentions that he, like, I needed someone to let me unload on them, to keep me from flying apart. So while Murphy's doing all this professional processing, he's just completely out of it. Yeah, and I'm to- just totally surprised Total by that. disassociation, yeah. He was, like, completely done. And so I think it also helped Murphy get the uh, jump on him when yeah. she, you know, she takes him to the basement and you can see this destroyed prison. Someone's tampered with what Harry can tell used to be a legitimate confinement for the Luke Guru. And at some point it had been destroyed, clearly didn't work, puts the pieces together that Kim had tried to help him and create a new one upstairs, ultimately failed, was killed by him in the moment. And then Murphy uh, takes out a piece of paper from her pocket that... uh, Good little cop Murphy that we mentioned in episode one was just cleaning up the trash that Dresden had dropped on the floor. Turns out to be Kim Delaney's circle sketches. Yeah, makes makes the connection. So here's my question on that. If there is a connection made, why and how? Like, okay, so I die. I've got a little sketch in my in my pocket of a process that clearly led to my death. What what clicked for? So, real quick, she didn't find the piece of paper on Kim. Uh, Kim and Harry were having a conversation at McAnally's Pubcast. That's us! The McAnally's Pub. And they were having a conversation. Murphy walks in right as Kim was leaving. And Murphy picks up the trash that was underneath the table that Harry had discarded there after he told Kim to stop looking into this ritual. Oh. 
So he picks up the tr- Murphy is picks that up later the trash. on? Did I no, miss that? No, this is chapter one. Yeah, chapter one. I'm chapter clearly one. not paying attention. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. So yeah, so it, it's it's a it's a bit of a throwaway piece. Like if you're not really reading into it, it do, like yeah, this is can, a reread. You, know, you, you could really re-read. easily miss. Well, that. Well, honestly, I'm doing the audiobooks while I'm doing my commutes in the morning, so <laughs> I don't always. Catch How about the you details. stop paying attention to the traffic signs and listen to the goddamn book? Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's those details. I I'm I'm a big picture well, person. Well, clearly so. Harry was also not paying that much of attention. Right. Like, oh, right. This is what she was doing. I did not think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So Murphy punches him in the gut. He doubles over. She grabs him, throws him against the wall, and cuffs him. And it's all very quick. And Harry's still just like numb to it all. Oh yeah, yeah she he doesn't try to assault resist. him. Yeah, full on assaults him. Yeah, yeah, like not professional cop at all. Let's talk a little bit about police brutality Legit. here, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> and Murphy, so much about the cops doing the right thing for the people. But fuck it, you cross her. Oh man. Yeah, she also clocked him in the jaw as well as the yeah. stomach. Yeah. That's quite the reach. Yeah. And she arrests him, leads him out the house. Carmichael is trying to fend off the FBI and give Murphy a moment, not expecting that Murphy is arresting Dresden inside and carts him out. And the whole time, Dresden is just nothing, numb. He's been read his rights that he's, you know, anything he says can and will be used against him. And to a degree, maybe that's why he's not talking. But I also think it's just Harry's just so lost in this moment, especially when he needed a friend. Hmm. And that's in chapter 13. Are we jumping ahead? Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it does. The Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it does end with uh, her basically taking everything um, off of uh, Arian. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, shield bracelet. No gun. No this. No that. Murphy has an advantage of knowing Harry's. Yeah. Things, you know, whereas most people might just write it off as a bracelet. Murphy's like, Mm-mm-mm. nope, magic. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she's got that advantage on him. So we've got, and again, wizards can obviously do magic without their stuff. Harry lost his stuff in Stormfront. Harry lost his stuff in um, the short stories before now. Things get clattered and thrown and dragged away from him all the time. We know that a wizard doesn't need it. It uh, just helps with the control and mm-hmm. the precision and the power. So... As much as possible, this is now just a mortal man. But obviously, he does still have just his innate ability. Mm-hmm. But to as much as possible, she has beaten this man down to uh-huh. essentially nothing. Yeah, well, what this made me think of is like in detective movies and shows, there's sometimes a scene where like, oh, the bad guy has misled the police and now the police think that the detective's a suspect and they arrest him. Like in this one, though, it's kind of valid. She wasn't misled. It's like, I think she's gen- has a genuine reason. To do all this for him, to to him, you're somehow involved, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the exception of like cuffing him and then hitting him in the face once he's cuffed. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> he has like two feet on her. It's like she's gonna use her her vantage. Mm. Well, what's with the unnecessary roughness? Like, is is there was it is, there valid? It's just Murphy being fucking pissed that she's been lied to and tricked. Yeah, and- she's screaming, "You promised!" and mm-hmm. doing all this. Yeah, see, that's yeah. why. I, like, I find it the the whole relationship. Between Murphy and and Harry, so like a lot of emotions running high. Okay, so they call each other friends, or at least Harry refers to her as a best friend or a friend, and it's like, yeah, my friends don't throw me up against walls, like, or well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> unless I, I ask know. nice. But no, like honestly, it's 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 interesting that she would just automatically assume rather than be like okay Harry cough up what's your connection here and that is something that comes up later on in the books that Harry mentions he's like wow 
if this was us five years ago, she would have decked me already, but now we can actually talk and have a conversation. Right. And it is like, Murphy is essentially like a minor villain. Shoot first, ask questions early later. On, yeah. yeah. And she's, uh, there's a certain degree, I think, of everyone being wary of wizards. We've said even before that even like Susan and Murphy, who are a little bit more believing of him, still don't think that he's an actual wizard or magical. They just think whatever he is, is effective. Right. So I think there's a certain degree of Murphy also just being like, who knows? Like, throw a punch, cuff him. Like, I really don't know what else he's got up his sleeve legitimately, right? And again, I think the punch was a little bit unnecessary. Mm. But on the other hand, for Murphy, who still doesn't actually know what he's all about and capable of. And to be fair, I think when you do learn that, it's even more scary. Yeah. But I think, yeah, at this beginning stage, when you're, first of all, that angry and that unaware... I can also see from Murphy's point of view where, yeah, it's just like, yeah, hit first, ask questions later. And I also want to say, if you watch true crime, um, there's a lot of things about, like, you know, cops being allowed to lie in almost every way. There's a few things they can't say or do, but for the most part, cops can lie and say whatever they want in order to get a confession out of you. And a big part of watching, like, in interrogations, like... This is just something I like to do is just watch interrogations <laughs> on YouTube. And one of the things is, like, they will break a person down. That explains where you get so your conversation started. Right? I'm you like, get, wait, this explains a lot about Jess suddenly. so much. You watch these videos of just how quickly a policeman will become your best friend. And how, like, it's so common to do the good cop, bad cop. But watching those interrogation videos and watching them do that, like, emotional, psychological breakdown on a person is, like, insane to witness. And I find from this whole moment, like, Murphy was just, like... She knew that Dresden knew Kim. She saw them together. I think that it's also a little bit of that cop background of like, I will break you and I will get you because I know exactly what to do to do this. This is my police training. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I want you as most vulnerable as I can possibly get you. And essentially, had things gone right and had he been carted off to the station and had he been in an interrogation room within the hour, I think he would have still been a little bit like that zoned out, not okay. Mm -hmm. Who knows if he would have talked or not. He's a smart guy and knows to just keep your mouth shut. Right. But maybe. at the same time, I think it would have been her best bet too. Like this is his most vulnerable, best chance. She knows what she can get away with. Totally. Yeah, there's no witnesses either, so. Well, maybe roughing him up will put him out of his shock as well, to a certain degree. Well, to a certain degree, also just like uh, create that line in the sand between them as well. And she's she's quite young, I think, at this point, too. She's only got a few years on Harry. It's, like, only two or three years older than Harry, so she's in and around 27 right now. Right, which I... Like, that I could see her just feeling the rage and letting loose. Yeah, you know? I think, you know, not to say, like, evil woman, uncontrollable, angry woman, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, if this is, like, somebody who you've trusted and let in on this police investigation, and essentially, yeah, like, 24 hours ago, she was saying, like, Harry, things are really bad. You and me might both end up in jail for this. Right. I'm going to lose my license. I need one guy on my team. So she's got a lot on the and line, And the too. next day, she's like, you motherfucker, you were like the serial killer who kept calling into 911 to give us hot tips. Like, right. you were right there the right. whole time leading me on. So I can definitely see why Murphy would be so angry. It's just that Murphy is allowing her anger to cloud the legitimate police work detective which again also sometimes happens mm -hmm. sometimes a cop decides who the killer is and that's that Dog they don't the bone. they stop looking at the real evidence and mm. you know follow a follow a hunch walks like a duck talks like a duck must be a duck right but anyways must be a killer all right so that brings us to chapter 13 mm -hmm. socially awkward missing the magic feeling like there's more to life 
Try speed dating. Join us at McAnally's Pub every Sunday for Witches, Wizards and Wannabes Night. Chapter 13 Dresden is escorted in cuffs to a police cruiser shortly to be released by Tara West, the fiancé of McFinn. Upon escaping, Dresden is shot in the shoulder. However, the two manage to make their escape through the woods. So yeah, going back to where I cut Jessica off, it's like Carmichael's being a bro right now, just holding off the entire FBI. Just like, I don't know what's happening upstairs, but you can't go up. And literally just doing the whole, like, I don't know what to tell you, man. My boss said no. Uh, like, I this don't is know. the FBI. <laughs> no, so Harry says, I think it's another thing, too, as we were just saying, that Harry's so off balance. He literally says, like, being cuffed and led like I was, I was off balance legitimately. It was hard to hold mm-hmm. my balance. And I think that's just one more, like, this man is beaten down and just not here with it, you know? Because yeah. cuffs do not, you know, he's not cuffed to his ankles right now. His hands are behind his back, you know? No like, he shouldn't be as... That's well, a literal and figurative. Yeah, well, exactly, right? I think it's just a little bit more dig into the knees of this is, he's not okay right now. No, he really isn't. Yep. Well, so, and it's interesting because a little on here, it says I had promised Murphy that I would keep no secrets from her and I hadn't. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I had been stupid. Oh, right? So I think that, yeah, I think that's one of those things that it suddenly starts to explain sort of the reaction of Murphy where it's like, well... Yeah, your moral compass is a little off there, Harry, so mm-hmm. maybe roughing you up is... Obviously, from the reader's point of view, you can see where he was honest and where he wasn't, and I think as far as Harry's a- concerned, he was actually about as honest as he could be. The things that he didn't share with Murphy wasn't so much that he was trying to keep it from her, or even lying by omission, but that she he just didn't know that it was relevant yet. You know, yeah. Had he been given a little bit more time, maybe he would have been like, oh, but... For Harry, I think he legitimately just yeah he like he he kicks himself in the butt as he's sitting in the cop car that he's just like oh oh now I get it he had you know had he had just a minute more to think on it he could have told Murphy but I think at this point he was just like well how was I supposed to know that was gonna be relevant you know yeah, I have in my notes that when he's in the cop car Harry's like a little kid who just got sent to the principal's office and is now waiting for his <laughs> mom about to pick what you've him done. up it's like oh I didn't know that would get me in trouble it's like oh. Now my mom's going to get me. and ugh. Well, I think there's some guilt there, too, from just not helping Kim out originally, yeah. right? Like, obviously, it's sort of like, oh, my God, all had I taken a little time as opposed to been so patronizing, this could have. And I think, you know, even even between Harry and Murphy, Murphy's her own person. They are more or less equals in their field. But Kim was his apprentice. He was her mm-hmm. mentor. He was supposed to be the one guiding and keeping safe and offering information. So I think there's a little bit more. Uh, guilt that he didn't do it, you know? Especially that he goes on this tirade about how he's responsible for her. Yeah, that he condemns her to death with his arrogance. That's a pretty Yeah, it's a harsh line. Deep guilt there. So there's Lots to think about in the principal's office of the back of a cop car. (laughs) (laughs) There is um, a moment when Murphy hands him off to Carmichael and them and is about to put him in the cop car when Carmichael turns to Murphy and says, mm-hmm. are you sure about this, Lieutenant? And I found that to be a very, like, like, even Carmichael understands the gravity. Like, is breathing down your neck for involving a con man who you've been hardline insisting is not a con man for, since March. It's now October. Do you want to make this official and agree with IA? Because this is going to be a big deal if you do. If you decide that this is this, we're not coming back from this. 
And so there's a moment and Murphy, totally hard faced, not thinking of the big picture, just is mad, is obviously like, book him, fuck him, screw him. Don't like this guy. And Carmichael, obviously, he's a good Im- he's a good cop, listens to his boss, does his job. But I think, you know, there was just a moment when even Carmichael, who essentially, you know, yeah. extended this olive branch after having always thought Harry was a scam, had it instantly thrown in his face 10, 15 minutes later. And then is like even still willing to be like, are we doing this? Well, you, there's no, sorry, sorry there's ahead. an emotionality there again that yeah, with okay. with Murphy that it's like he kind of becomes the voice of reason, like whoa, hyper reacting much? Let's reconsider. And this. he is an older cop too, like yeah. he's somewhere in his forties or so. You know, he's got a wife, he's got children, like he's a little bit more uh, stable. Then, you know, this brand new unmarried, no, like, sorry, Murph, but there's a certain level when you're just a single, no children, any kind of freedom out there when you can just, um, no relationship, like any of those things where Murphy just, she only has a duty to her job right now, you know, she doesn't have to worry about anyone else. Act first, think later. Totally, you know, whereas, you know, Carmichael is a little bit more of that, like, let's think about all the consequences, you know, like. Yeah, Carmichael says, is like, oh, Dresden, yes, I'm a sucker for the underdog. So he's not saying, oh, he sees Murphy arresting him. He's not immediately anti-Harry. He's like, well, I still want to believe in you. I I understand the reasons I had to stick up for you, and I still kind of stand by it, but this is what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Again, he's a good boss, or he's a good cop, and he's going to listen to his boss. End of the line. But, yeah, I think it was just a moment there where it's like, oh, now we're on Carmichael's team and not Murphy's. That (laughs) was quick. (laughs) It's like, how did we do that? (laughs) So, so, yeah, sad wizard hours in the back of the cop car. Harry sits there feeling sorry for himself, thinking of all the ways he's failed. And to a certain degree, it's totally on him. And to another certain degree, do you think Kim Delaney was just a little bit arrogant? On the one hand, we know that she was an activist. She was in the environmental sort of field. She, like, Harry tells us that when we meet Kim in the first chapter. And we know that McFinn was doing this whole environmentalist thing. So it's safe to say that they knew each other through this, at least, and for who knows how long. And it is later mentioned that they knew each other for about a year or so. Um, Kim always had a bleeding heart. Yeah, right? And so it's like... He, <laughs> and now literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't break up with Jim Butcher. Or <laughs> He'll settle werewolf on you. So, yeah. So it's just something like... As much as I will agree that Harry was a bit at fault here, at the same time, like, Kim wasn't this big magical practitioner. Maybe she didn't know what the roof was, so it's hard for her to gauge her own abilities. And maybe, you know, when you have a friend, you have no choice but to go to battle for them and try Mm -hmm. and help. But at the same time, like, Kim a little bit, like, she's still an adult. She's, like, she's only, like, a year or two younger than Harry. Like, she could have decided for herself that this is too big for me. Could have said, hey, Harry, how about you meet me at the house and draw me some circles, you know? Like, But yeah. she was very insistent that she did this by herself. Mm. And so, you know, and not to victim blame, but also, like, <laughs> girl, what are you doing? Like, But also, it's like, if someone says, hey, I'm a loop guru, I need your help, that'd be kind of hard to walk away from. Uh, but again, well, you could have asked for... Yeah, exactly. Like, like, she who goes would to you involve? Like, you got a, a, you know, friend of yours is having some big drama. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Do you tell your boss? Or do you think you can handle it on your own? But she did go to her boss for advice. Yeah. She and uh, well, kind of. She did. She could have just said, "Hey, I, my friend is a loop guru, and this has happened. Mm -hmm. Can you help me help him?" So there's another part of it too that I remember. Me and Mama Maggie, we were talking about 
how Murphy sometimes doesn't understand that Harry can't tell other people's secrets. It's one thing to keep his own secrets from her, but it's another to be like, no, if I tell you the White Council's secrets, we all die. Like, it's not that I want to keep this from you. I, I straight up, like, it's, like, one of it's our rules that I don't tell. tell you. Totally, right? So on the one hand, I can see where Kim being like, no, like, I can't go telling everyone I meet that I know a werewolf. But at the same time, you think you could be like, Harry's really chill. He'd be able to do this. Like, can we bring him in? Like, Of all the people who would understand this problem. I just think that, like, <laughs> she could have tried a little bit harder to connect them. Like, talk to McFinn and be like, can we bring him in? Like, mm-hmm. and she didn't try that at all. She's just like, oh, I won't tell anyone your secret. Hey, Harry, what's up with these sea girls? Ah, it's not important to you. It's not practical. I just want to know the theory. Ah, whatever. Okay, we're good to do this, McFinn. He totally told me everything I need to know. Let's do this. <laughs> like, there was just like a little bit of disconnect, I think, from Kim. Just like overconfidence or uh, also just, you know, pig-headed to just be like, well, I've got to try. And it's like, uh, well, you know what? That's what happens when you right. keep secrets. Mm. Well, if nobody kept secrets and nobody lied, most of the books out in existence wouldn't exist. (laughs) Well, yeah, it makes for terrible reading. Right? And then everything worked out well. Chapter one. And we're done. We're done. All the people were great. They made no mistakes. Everyone lived happily ever happy. They told truths always. Well, I I think one more point about that is, yeah, Harry's just sitting in the cop car. He's sad. He's thinking. He's connecting all the puzzle pieces. And one of the things that he comes to a conclusion of is like, Wait a second, the loop guru can only kill on full moons. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these killings weren't on the full moon, which means there's at least two killers or none of... Well, I think it's safe to say that Kim Delaney is at least one victim of the loop guru. But that's only Kim Delaney that we can actually pin on him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been pretty much Harry's decided that the loop guru is Harley McFinn. He's gotten that from Chauncey and from tonight. That's pretty intrude already. Like, we, we can say that for a fact. But other than that, we don't know... Who are the other ones? How many are there? We've got the gangbangers. We've got the little old lady. We've got three bums, an old man, uh, the businessman and his driver. That all happened a month ago. And not all of them on the full moon. Yeah. And then we've got, most recently we had Spike and now Kim. Mm -hmm. So, and only one we can definitively say was McFinn. So Harry's, yeah, he's sitting in the car and he's like looking out into the woods and he feels some eyes on him and he's like, mm, there's someone else out there. The amber eyes appear. Yeah, someone's watching him. Not the cops, though. Yeah. No one's, no one's supervising him for some reason. <laughs> specifically says none of the cops are looking at him. And later on, it's like whoever rescues him doesn't open the door even. The door's just left open. Well, so yeah, so he sees amber eyes suddenly staring at him and then all of a sudden... Uh, Tara West is standing outside the door. Sorry, just the woman from earlier. McFinn's fiance, who introduces herself right then, is Tara West. And she lets herself, she opens the police car and is like, let's go. And yeah. I'd be it, buying you more trouble. I don't want to go. That's what he <laughs> said. Yeah, but okay, let's be honest. I I wouldn't go either. Yeah. Like in, in, in sitting there looking at this situation, I'm like, if somebody came to me that could have possibly been the killer... And said, hey, come with me. I'll save you. I'm like, no, I think my bets are better hedged with the cops on this one. Well, I think for the most part, Harry would, in this case, prefer to put his head down and go to the police station and be honest and be like, I don't know what the fuck Mm -hmm. is up, right? Right? But she says, there's going to be more killings and you're the only who can stop it. And that's what convinces him out of the car. Because, yeah, like, same thing with Victor Sells. Like, he didn't want to send the cops there because he's like, it'll just be a bloodbath. Like, they don't know what to do. 
And I think same with these werewolves. Harry would prefer to clear his name with the cops and not make a deeper shithole for himself. Because it's one thing to be falsely accused of being complicit with the murders and arrested. And it's another to actively uh, be on the run from when yeah. you're arrested. That's, yeah. That is definitely, like, you can't deny you did that. Like, no. that is for sure a crime. There's no uh, innocence here. There's, right? So I think, you <laughs> know. Admission of guilt right there. Yeah. But this is Harry's, you know, problem. He's like, I am the only one who can stop this killing. Clearly, Kim tried and failed. And here's another woman saying, you're the only one who can stop this. And yeah, I think, you know, he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. It's like, you know what? Shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is so, the start yeah. of the Terminator theme that the next few chapters have. So you yes. basically come with me if you want to live. <laughs> right? <laughs> Run or die. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. And it's like, how about a hug? <laughs> like, oh, just, he's having a moment. As they run, he says, uh, like, let alone all the injuries he has, that he feels out of shape running. Is this where he starts doing those mile runs? So it's a books? little bit after this, but okay. it's after a few books that he's like, Oh my god, every goddamn year I have to go on a marathon. Yeah. So then he starts to train himself up. He's like, okay, clearly this is becoming a theme of my life. Yeah. It's like as a kid, I always thought I wanted to be Doctor Who's... Uh, companion? Companion, but they always run every damn episode. <laughs> so that is way running. too much track and field for me, thanks. If I got a spaceship, I shouldn't have to be <laughs> I running. Have to run. I got a time machine. Don't let like, me run. Yeah, how about I meet you here in 10 minutes? Like... <laughs> I'm going to get back in the ship and transport yeah. 10 feet back. I'll pay right. you TARDIS money. You'll leave in it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I shouldn't fuck. have to run. I have all the technology available to me. Totally, yeah. But what if you have to outrun a T-Rex? See, if I was a wizard, I'd just find a way to like float there or something. You know, like... Essex Thalys? There's got to be a way. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. <laughs> no one in this room watches Critical Role. Like, wait I need a- mom back. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a sec. There's actually a word for this? <laughs> Essex Thalys. He's a character in Critical Role. He floats everywhere. Fabulous. Oh. She could just be making it up. I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> How would any of you know? Nerd alert! Until oh. all the commentary Me? keeps coming in. <laughs> the lies. The lies. <laughs> there is no Essex. <laughs> um. So yeah. So um. Essentially, yeah. Like the cops. <laughs> right as he gets away and gets into the tree line, that's when the cops are like, "Hey, stop!" And I, we didn't consider this. <laughs> <laughs> the FBI is on his tail right quick, despite the fact that they've all just like busted their way into the building. They're right on his heels, and they're like, buddy, we will get you. And they start pretty much shooting right yeah, off the bat. Yeah, shoot to kill right away. Just right away, yeah. Blast it. Totally, and that's another thing is like... He's in cuffs, man. Like another well, Due process is not involved here. <laughs> but again like, again, like, if you really think that this guy has a lot to say, you would want to question him. And I understand that when you've got someone who's a threat or not, then sometimes it's not in the best interest. And just kill on sight before they can kill anyone else. But in this situation, he's in cuffs. Like, aim for his feet, not, like, his head. Like, wouldn't you want to talk to him later? Well, but if you thought he was a murderer, making a run for it and about to kill others, like... One less loose end. You know? Like... (laughs) But anyway, so him and Tara... I'm not justifying cop actions here, but, you know. (laughs) We... No, we're not doing that. (laughs) Never know. know. But they're running through the woods. They're blah, blah, blah. And... Um, essentially hit the property line, hit fence, and Tara, motherfucker, boosts him over the wall. Yeet. And, like, by this point, (laughs) Harry's been shot. He's fallen to the ground. His shoulder is bleeding. Um, he's doozy from just his disassociation. Now he's got all this pain in his shoulder. Upset tummy. And, yeah, and she essentially tosses him over a wall. Blinding hot pain. He gives a cry, gives out their location. 
and it's too late for Terra to get over the wall. So he does a little bit of like hemocraft and like has all his blood turned to fog. Yeah, I, this is incredible to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we never see that again. No. For the rest of the series. And we had that moment in Stormfront 2 when he did like the whole like Mickey Mouse Fantasia thing when he like made the broom sweep right. and he even launched himself up in the air. He did his own flying wizard act in Stormfront, right? And he never does it again. And I find it very funny that I think earlier on in the books, let's just say that, you know, not that Jim Butcher didn't have Harry's spells sorted, but that it was more just... Harry was wasting his talents early on. Like, he wasn't yeah. ever saving anything. He's like, everything right now. Whereas in later books, he's like, no, it'll probably be seven days before I sleep <laughs> again. But earlier on, he's like, let's do this big cool magic right now. Yeah, vaporizing so, yeah. water content seems like such a basic spell to use in many situations. And most things are made have water content yeah. in them. Control water. It, yeah. Unless he's multiplying water somehow. Because I don't think he was bleeding enough to create an entire, like, smoke screen whatever he does well how much how much water do you need to create how much fog i'm not sure what the conversion is there right. well how much wind do you need to float see going back to my earlier question <laughs> <laughs> why do you not just float instead of run and yeah. this oppresses even tara <laughs> yeah this is the first thing that tara seems like phased by wizard it's like, Don't oh, it wow. you can make yeah. water boil oh my god fair enough but it's still weird to me i mean blood is it's just darker than water that's why it was a dense, thick fog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, essentially, you know... Why is this you know, fog so red? Hair, <laughs> it's made with my blood. <laughs> so, yeah, Tara... Like blood, steak. sweat, and tears. But, yeah, Tara manages to get oh. over the fence, run off, um, and Harry passes out at that point. He's done. But, yeah, I mean, Harry's on the run now. Officially. On the lamb. Yeah. On the lamb. And He's I on think the this shuffle, a, maybe not the run. A first indication <laughs> that that Terra might be something other than just a, a a simple werewolf because she does have that incredible strength while she's not changed. Totally. I don't totally. know, though. I don't have a nipple reading to go off of, though. So <laughs> it's hard to say. Not enough heaving bosom discussion yeah. <laughs> on Terra yet. Well, you know, it's lucky when they don't wear bras. Helps with his uh, understanding of women so much better. <laughs> heaving bosoms. We all love them. <laughs> what can I say? We thought it was mind reading, but <laughs> <It's> <laughs> this, oh yes, this this is gonna make it on the B reels, right? This is this is all this going is our in. prime this is the content. Bonus <laughs> right here when we talk about nipple sizes. <laughs> oh no, this is just staying in the episode. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. If we remove it now, we have to remove all the nipple content. Oh, That's no. 40 minutes. No. Then we don't have a podcast. Save the nip. <laughs> Free. Like, wait, I can think no, of some good merchandise for that. <laughs> Save the nip. <laughs> on a necklace. <laughs> New line on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to buy us a pint or a nip? <laughs> Bonus tassels. <laughs> It'll Subscribe you. to our Patreon or our OnlyFans. <laughs> Back in alleys. At Fever Studio. No. <laughs> this concludes our episode 5.6 on the Lamb. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and macanalies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling.